Job chapter 28. I'm reading from Job 28, verses 1 through 3, and then Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 13. If you want to stand, that would be awesome. It won't take but a moment to read our scripture, but I love standing in honor of the word of the Lord. And uh, we'll just see what God has to say to us here this evening. Job said, Surely there is a vein for the silver and a place for gold where they find it. Iron is taken out of the earth, and brass is molten out of the stone. He setteth an end to the darkness, or to darkness, and searcheth out all perfection, the stones of darkness and the shadow of death. If you read that in an up-to-date translation, it would tell you that God makes everything perfect. That's what it actually is saying. It's as refined silver and gold. And the Bible said he searcheth out all perfection. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11 says, He gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man unto the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ. You may be seated. Thank you. Praise God. I believe one of the greatest revelations that can come to a saint of God is when you come to the Lord and you come to the knowledge of God and you come to truth is that that is not the end. That is where we start. When you got the Holy Ghost and you were baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, that wasn't the apex of your experience. That was just the launching pad for what God has for you in your lifetime. One of the greatest revelations of a saint of God is that, is that you can receive more knowledge and more truth, and perfection begins I, um, I've read this scripture many, many times, and when I, I read it again today, it just rung a bell in my mind, in my heart, because here's, here's the bottom line. We have to have a constant work in our lives in order to be what God wants us to be. There's a little song we used to sing many years ago. I've mentioned it a time or two, even here lately. It just said, he's still working on me. He's still working. Is there anybody here that you know God's still working on you? Amen. If you don't know that, I hope you know that before I'm through this evening because he is still working on every one of us. Amen. From the preacher to the back pew, from wall to wall, God is still working on us. So our, our text says that God has given us pastors and evangelists and teachers and prophets and apostles, and every one of them are for the perfecting of the saints. I was thinking while I was preparing today, if you never get your feathers ruffled at church, the preacher is not doing a good job because he needs to be stirring you. And moving you, you know, there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of places that you can go nowadays where 
the preacher refuses to preach on hell where uh, he don't want to cross anybody and anybody's theory and hurt anybody's feelings. Well, I got some wonderful news for you today. I love you all, but I love you too much not to preach the truth. And if it hurts your feelings, it has to hurt your feelings. But the truth of God is going to perfect us in the long run. You believe that tonight? So what is perfecting? What does that mean? It's, the Bible gave us, the we call it the five-fold ministry. What does that mean? That means that the ministry is constantly working on, preaching to, praying for, counseling with, giving his best shot to watch you get perfected. And to be perfected, it means that you're growing in God and you're growing in the knowledge of his word and you're growing in your faith and you're growing with understanding and your purpose and your power and your promise. All of these things have something to do with this inward spiritual man. Here's what I, and I, 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 two weeks ago, I guess it is now, almost two weeks ago, I went down to Alexandria to what I call the greatest meeting for preachers there is in, uh, in America. I mean that. I've been to a lot of conferences, a lot of, a lot of meetings. But I, I got there, and I, I stayed just because of the weather. I couldn't get there when I wanted to. But I got there in time enough to hear seven preachers in about a day and a half, seven, seven sermons. And let me tell you something. They stirred me up. They worked, they worked me over. They worked my mind over, my heart over. I left there thinking what a terrible guy I am and how much I need to improve. And that's good. That's not bad. That's good. I thank God for that. I don't know about you, but I want to be preached to. I want the man of God somewhere to tell me, hey, thus saith the word of God. This is what you need. This is where you need to go. This is what you need to be about. Because that is the perfecting of the saints of God. The perfecting of the saints is working on us and through us and with us by the fivefold ministry. And yes, I do believe in, in pastors and evangelists and apostles and prophets and teachers. I believe in every one of those. I believe that we have not disposed of the fivefold ministry of the church. I'm talking tonight a little bit about the perfecting process. That's where I want to go. The perfecting process. In other words, living for God is a continual process of learning about God and the things of God. Now, I've been in the church all my life, literally, literally. I was, I was born and raised in the church. Uh, I, I, I mean, brother, I was back when they had Sunday school pens. Anybody remember the old Sunday school pens? I mean, I had one that almost dragged the floor. And I, I wasn't going, years and years I went to church without missing a Sunday. One time I had, I don't know if this is what kind of flu this is, but I remember them calling it the Asian flu. Now they call it type A, type B, all this stuff. It was the Asian flu. And my mother sitting here tonight, she'll tell you I kicked and screamed and threw a fit till she took me to church and set me on the back pew and told nobody to get around me because I wasn't missing my Sunday school pen. So, so I, I, I know about that. I, I, I know about the, the days we come from. And the, uh, but but it, it was so drilled in me and so put in me all my life how important it is. But yet 
I am not where I want to be and where I need to be. And if you ever get to the place that you're satisfied and that you think you have attained, Paul said not to think more highly of yourself than you ought to think. You're in danger when you start thinking you've got it made. You are in a bad condition when you feel like everything is okay and you finally arrive. Paul said, brethren, I have not apprehended. I am not where I want to be. I've not done the things that I want to do. I don't know about you tonight, but I want to get closer to God than I've ever been. I want to know more about him than I've ever known. And I want to love him like I've never loved him before. Somebody said amen. So as long as we're serving God, we are in the perfecting process. That's why Jesus spent three and a half years upon the face of this earth in earthly ministry alongside the disciples teaching them to help bring them into understanding of his kingdom. You know what I'm going to do? And it just hit me right now. I, I heard one of the most fantastic messages on the disciples that I've ever heard in my lifetime. I learned some things that I did not know. And, and I think, I think, unless I change my mind, next Wednesday night, I'm going to put it on this screen and let you hear it. It is that powerful. You've got to hear it. It's by a guy by the name of Raymond Woodward, who is probably one of the best Bible teachers I've ever heard in my life. And it's going to blow your mind what he tells you about those disciples. I'm not going to tell you. I'm going to let him tell you. But three and a half years, Jesus chose 12. He spent time with them. And, 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 and he was constantly working on him. They missed the fact that everything was a test. Every, every mood, move he made was a test for his disciples. He, he brought them to the understanding of the kingdom. I'll just tell you this. Simon Peter, he says, was the only one that was of age. The rest of them were just young guys. So you got to hear me when I tell you what Jesus did with young men is he started perfecting them. And he chose 12 to change the world. And from 12, it went to 120. And from 120, it went to 3,000. And then it went to 5,000. And history says 87,000 people were in the first church before the first persecution. Let me tell you what Jesus did. He came here to train and perfect the church of the living God. And he started in his own disciples. It's no different today. We've exchanged... Uh, a few things from them. We don't have to ride camels anymore. We ride in Toyotas and Cadillacs and whatever kind you got. And and we don't we don't wear our sandals anymore. We all got our our little Reeboks and Skechers and whatever else you want to name. So we're not in the same era. We're not in the same day. But we're in the same church, and God is doing the same thing, and he's still trying to bring us to perfection. I wish God would get a hold of every one of us tonight and start moving in you like you've never been moved before and bring you to your knees and say, God, I need something more. Hallelujah. It's no different. The CIA has a slogan for its operators in the field. This is what it said. Everything is a test. That's what the CIA slogan is. Everything is a test. One operator said this. 
We don't know if our mission at times are valid or in vain, but we carry them out because everything is a test. It's all about perfection. Somebody say perfection. I don't know if anybody's ever mastered living for God and, and, and was totally, I believe that when he comes, we're, we're still going to be in the process of being perfected because we got red blood that flows through these veins and just about the time we think we get where we ought to get, guess what? We realize we're not there. Anybody there beside me? Amen. So, so un, unfortunately, ladies and gentlemen, the way to test whether or not something can stand and survive, it has to be tested under extreme circumstances. That's the bad part. Before a car ever crosses a newly built bridge, that bridge is tested to the max. Before any 747 airplane takes its first passenger, that plane has been through the most rigorous of tests to make sure that it's going to fly and the pressure is right. And it's, and it's gone through the, the, the pressures of whatever's going to happen in the air. Before any car is sold on a lot, it's a five-star safety rating that they slam it into walls and they wreck them on tracks and they go through. They want to know if the airbags are, gonna, are going to work and they're going to know if the bumpers are going to work and the windshield. All of this has to be tested. So if that is so, they don't test things under perfect conditions and say, okay, it'll make it. These things are, uh, are under the worst conditions to make sure that the product is safe and everything is going to stand the extreme conditions of the test. I wish we could understand that when we go through the heartaches of life and the troubles of life and the devil tries to steal our joy, this is a test. It is only a test, and it will make you better if you pass the test. Amen. The greatest test of your joy is going to come with the greatest loss of life. Listen to me. The greatest test of your faith is going to come in the darkest hour of your life. The greatest test of your trust in God is when you have your greatest trial because that's where we find out what we're made of. That's when we find out if everything is put together right. And here's what I've preached for years, and I still believe this. God does allow us to go through that. I don't believe God tempts us, but he allows us to be tempted, and he allows us to be tried. Paul said, the, the trying of your faith is more precious than gold. It's important because what it does, it makes you bigger and better and stronger. But if you don't pass the test, guess what's going to happen? Just what happened when you was in high school. You're going to take it over. I don't like taking those kind of tests over. Job made a, <coughs> pardon me, a connection <coughs> And recognize that in the midst of hardship and pain, that he could equate his experience, if I could put it that way, to the most precious stones which are formed and shaped under the dirt. This is why I read from Job chapter 28. 
Job went through some real hardships and pain in his life. If you know the story of Job, if you don't, go read it. It's, it's an intriguing book. Job started as a rich man and wound up losing his kids, his wife, his cattle, everything that was of value to him, including his health. He was covered in balls from the top of his head to the sole of his feet. And his friends and his family turned against him and said, why don't you curse God and die? He went through pain and, and he went through tribulation. He went through some things that, as far as I know, probably no man has ever had it the way Job had it. You know why that happened? Go read the first chapter of Job. The Bible said that the sons of God came before him and the devil showed up with the sons of God. And he started questioning God about Job. He said, have you considered Job? And, uh, and, and he said, you know what? You go try Job. You can do anything you want to, but you can't take his life. Now that's really what happened. God said, I'm going to let you try Job. So Job began to compare his afflictions to hitting rock bottom. And he did. He lost everything he had. But boy, when you read Job, it's he that says, I know my Redeemer liveth. It's him that says, I know my change is going to come. It's, it's, it's Job that just kept having faith. Recall with me, recall with me the events in history today. Of a, and I, I remember, I was reminded of this story today, but I remember when it happened, I remember reading about it. I remember talking about it. Back in the, in the month of August of 2010, there was a cave that, that a, a cave-in occurred at a mine in Chile. And the accident there left 33 men trapped 2,300 feet below the ground. The world, I remember it, the world was transfixed on those 33 miners that survived 69 days, 2,300 feet below the earth. 69 days. I'm not sure that I'd have survived that. But evidently, these men did. Can you imagine your condition in life making you feel as though you are that far beneath the earth? Listen to me. There's times when God lets us go that far, deep into problems, into situations. You, you got to consider what's in the book. I, I got to looking at this today. You got to consider what people of the Word of God went through. Great people, but they were tested. They were tested to the nth degree. They didn't just happen up and, and say, you know, well, this is a great man. Let me show you. Job felt as though he lost it all, but God restored it. And the end of Job said that he had more than he did in the beginning because God restored it. Moses found himself on the backside of a desert listening to a voice in a burning bush before he became the great deliverer of Israel out of Egypt. He didn't just get there easy. He had to run from his life because he killed an Egyptian and he spent 40 years on the backside of a desert and the Lord, the Lord was preparing Moses for the great things that he was going to do. 
And I'm telling you that he didn't just arrive in his state of leadership and his state of, of, of being a great patriarch of the word of God. He got there because he withstood the test. Let me tell you what the Bible said about him in the New Testament. Moses chose to endure the affliction of the people of God rather to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. He could have stayed in Pharaoh's house, but he endured the affliction of the people of God. That was the making of Moses. <coughs> oh, let me go on. You want to talk about Joseph? We talk about Joseph, the great leader, how that he rose to the top and he was second in command in Egypt, and, and all that's wonderful. But it didn't start there, honey. It started in a pit. His brothers took him and throwed him in a pit and sold him into slavery, wound up at Potiphar's house, and then to prison. So he went from a pit to a prison to Potiphar's house to the palace. But he didn't just walk into the palace. He had some things he had to get through first. Do you get where I'm coming from tonight? Elijah running from Jezebel saying, God, I'm the only one serving you. I'm running for my life. And not just a few days later, he's passing on a double portion to an Elisha. It didn't just happen. It happened because of the process of perfection. Jeremiah wept in a dungeon on before his restoration came. Paul was knocked down on the road to Damascus. His name was Saul, and he said, Lord, Lord, who art thou, Lord? He didn't just write 13 books of the Bible because he was a smart man. He wrote it because he had an encounter with Jesus. And the Lord had to take him down a notch before he picked him up. Let me tell you, the way up is not up. The way up is down. Because when you get humbled by God, and you get that, the Bible said, he that exalteth himself shall be abased, but he that is abased, or he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. God will pick you up, and God can put you down. Here's what God will do if he thinks, I told somebody this about somebody the other day, this week on the phone, let me tell you what happened. I, I said to them, you know what God told Saul of the Old Testament, King Saul, you know what he said to him? Saul, when you were little, in your own eyes, I chose you. You know when Saul got messed up? When he got too big for his britches. Because when he got big in his own eyes, God said, no, 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 no. I'm rejecting you from being king over Israel. You can't do it that way. Even Jesus was stuck in a barred tomb before he could be resurrected. So you don't, you don't get there without something pulling the other way and pushing you and, 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 and driving you and motivating you. Your test and your trials will either make you or break you. But remember this, everything you're going through is the process of perfection. It's what God's doing in your life to make sure that, you, that he gets you to where you want to be. When we find ourselves in our lowest state, those trapped miners, there was purpose for them being 2,300 feet below for 69 days. The 69 days underground, it worked to their advantage, actually, and not their detriment. You can read their stories. What was viewed as negative actually worked to their good. 
There's a couple of things I want you to notice, though, about these miners. Because when you're in your lowest state, God's able to work on you. We pray better when we're in trouble. Oh, some of you didn't say amen, but it's true. You pray better when your back's against the wall. You pray better when your kids are sick. You pray better when the bank account's dry. Anybody with me? It's just common. If you know Jesus, you know he'll help you. And the first one you start calling on when you get in trouble is not Mohammed. It's Jesus. When you start calling on Jesus, something's about to happen. Amen. So these trapped miners are down there. And uh, the capsule that is going to go down and get them was 21 inches in diameter. And some of them had to lose a lot of weight to get out. So they, they, they had limited amount of food and water over the course of 69 days before they sent this 21-inch in diameter capsule down. And, and, and one of the, you know, the miners were, were telling their story. One of them was a, uh, one of them was a renowned uh, soccer player and a very rich man, but he, he got to live in a lifestyle that wasn't good, and, and, and he had to go to work in the mines to support his family. And, you know, here's the story. While he was down there, he said, I gave my heart back to the Lord. And he said, I, I started praying like I'd never prayed before. And when he came out of that, he became a multimillionaire, more money than he ever had with soccer, with books, and, and, and all the things that went with his story. But here's, here's what I want to tell you. When those, when those men had lost enough weight that they could come up in that capsule, they sent word down and said, is there anything you want before you come up here? <laughs> Uh, before we get you out, and this to me was it was intriguing when I read this story again, and it said it said they asked for shoe polish. That's just what I thought you'd do. Why shoe polish? Because they said we 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 want to come out of here. We want to come out of here looking good. We've been down in this old mine for. 69 days, and there's some things we can't help, but our boots are nasty, and we need some shoe polish. You know what I'm telling you tonight? There's some of you that need to order up some shoe polish because the devil's had his way with you long enough, and he's come after you long enough, and you need to understand that God's about to bring you through what you've been going through, and when you get out on the other side, you need to be dancing in demon blood and telling the devil he's a liar because that's exactly what he is. He cannot destroy you. I'm going to say it again. The devil cannot destroy you unless you let him. Somebody ought to shout hallelujah. You know, at, at our lowest state, the devil will talk to us and take, he'll, he'll tell us this, just take matters into your own hands. Don't do that. It's too big for you to handle. If you could handle it, you wouldn't be there in the first place. At our lowest state, the devil tells you that violence is the answer. That's what happened all around America. At the lowest state, the devil will tell you that you need to hate those that hate you. There's all kind of things that the devil put in your mind. Listen to me. 
people turn to wrong things in the time of crisis. That's why we have a drug-infested world. And we got a, a world that turns to everything that they think is the answer but Jesus. And I'm here to preach to you on a Wednesday night that that is not the answer to your situation. Your situation can be handled by the power of the Almighty God. And if you'll let him, he'll pull you up through that capsule. And when you hit dry land on top of the earth, you'll be dancing because God delivered you from that trial. Hallelujah. 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 But you got to also know that in your lowest state, there's a still small voice. Ah, I love that voice. I love it when I can get along with him. And, I, you know, we often have pity parties. We all do. Anybody ever have a pity party? Yeah, I don't know why I'm going through this. I'm just, I'm God, I just don't understand. You, don't, you may never understand. But if you'll listen and not listen to the voice of the enemy, there is a voice. He will remind you that he did not bring you here to destroy you, but he brought you here to perfect you. And at your lowest state, God will meet you in the middle of an old-fashioned prayer meeting. Let me tell you what we need in America. We don't need more alcohol. We don't need more drugs. We don't need more government. We don't need more politicians. We need an old-fashioned prayer meeting. And a prayer meeting will get answers that nothing else will get. And it will start with a personal prayer meeting in your closet of prayer at home. It's not all about gathering in this auditorium and we need to do that too. But it's gathering in a closet of prayer with just you and the Lord and saying, Lord, I've about fought this as much as I can fight it. I don't know what else to do. I'm in a shape. I'm in a mess. I need help here right now. And I'm going to tell you what God will do he will reach down and pick you up out of the miry clay. He'll set your feet on the rock to stay. He'll give you hope that you've never had because he's that kind of God. I'm talking about the process of perfection. Now, let me tell you something. It's not a one-time thing in your walk as a Christian. You know what? You know what the Lord told? You know what the Lord told uh, Moses? He said, I, I'm going to give you a land. Listen to me. He said it's going to be a land of hills and valleys. That's what he said. I'm going to give you a land, but it's going to be some high places and some low places. Do you know walking with God is a land of hills and valleys? This is nothing new. I've preached this many times in years gone by. But walking with God, you're going to have some mountaintop experiences. Woo, press God, you feel like you could charge hell with a water pistol. Amen. I can take him with my right arm. I can, I, I'm, I, I'm, you know what, I feel like, pastor, I feel like I may be resurrected at any time. I, I'm telling you right now, I may be raptured because I'm feeling so much God. And then comes life. 
and then comes heartache and then comes pain and then comes a death in your family and a doctor's report that it's not good and you're going through the situations that we call life and suddenly your mountain has turned into a valley. But honey, I got some great news for you. It takes two mountains to make a valley. Just keep walking. Just keep believing. Just keep holding on. Just keep saying I can and I will. I'm here to tell you on this Wednesday night, it is the process of perfection and God will see you through it if you'll be faithful to God. been there not one time many times not one time many times my nose is running like a water faucet y'all watching by internet I'm, I'm sorry that was the whole folks here but we walk by faith and not by sight we begin to realize that we walk in the spirit realm. We begin to see God's hand move and work. We, 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 so, we so are moved by the Holy Ghost that he orders our steps. And the first thing you know, that trial is not nearly as big as we thought it was. And that valley was not nearly as deep as we thought it was. But you've got to hear me when I tell you, it's not for your it's not for destroying you. It's not for trying to take you out and take you down. The devil would like for you to believe that. But I'm here to tell you it is the process of perfection. That's why the Bible sent the preacher to the church. Let me tell you, I've, I've been around here a long time. I've had some preachers that made me mad. But when I checked my spirit, I shouldn't have been mad. I should have been saying, oh, Lord. And you have too, whether you like to admit that or not. Who's he think he is? Well, he's a God-called preacher. And the Bible said you can't be saved without a preacher. I will tell you how important I am tonight. I know I'm saying that in jest because it's not because of me. But you need a pastor and you need a preacher in your life that will say, Thus saith the word of God. You know, I remember the days, and I'm, 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 I may get chasing a rabbit right here, but I remember the days that if the pastor said it, you didn't ask. You didn't question. You just said, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Because we realized that that man was looking out for our soul. Was it always right? No. But you know what you have to learn is submission in the kingdom of God. Submission is important. I, I heard a man preach about it a few days ago, and it hit me right here. Everybody has to be submitted to somebody. You can't be a king and a, and a ruler of your own soul. Everybody needs to be submitted to somebody in their life. I need to be submitted to you, and you need to be submitted to me, and we need to be submitted to God because that is the way of the Word of God. But when we're not submitted and we get to thinking we're 
an island and we can live any way we want to and it's not going to affect anybody and nobody's going to affect us. We have been shortchanged and religiously gypped because that is not the will of God nor the plan of God. The plan of God is for a man of God, an evangelist or a pastor or a teacher or an apostle or a prophet to walk into your life and say, thus saith the word of God. And if it says it, we better believe it and we better hold on to it and we better adhere to it or we will wind up lost and without God in the eternity. Hallelujah. I'm through. Let's stand. I know it's early. I could preach a little longer. But I just feel like just pausing right here and just saying to you that it's just a process. I don't know who I'm preaching to tonight. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know how long it's been. Sometimes trials last a long time, don't they? Sometimes we stumble our way through life and we, we try to find answers and we, we just can't find them. And, and some of you perhaps in this room tonight, you've been fighting things for years, things that you don't understand, things that you're, you're struggling with. I've come to tell you it's a process. And if you'll just keep marching forward, you're going to hit another mountain. And there's going to be a joy, a day of joy coming. That's why the writer of the Old Testament said, Weeping may endure for a night, but joy is coming in the morning. I want our joy to be what it ought to be. Amen. I want us to have the joy of the Lord in this church. We don't need to be struggling all the time. We don't need to be crawling all the time. We need to be moving forward in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to have the Holy Ghost saturate our lives and the power of God overwhelm us on a daily basis until we are so full of the Holy Ghost that you can't walk out on the street without somebody knowing you are full of the Holy Ghost. God is putting you through the process. He's putting you through the process. I hope you hear me tonight. I hope I've helped you this evening. I hope you could take home what little nugget maybe you have found in this. But here's what I feel very strongly in this room right now. Here's what I feel. Somebody particularly came here going through struggles and, and hard situations in your life. And tonight, God is saying to you, it's just the process of perfection. It was years in Job's life. It was years. He went through more pain than I can explain to you in this pulpit. Do you realize how, how it is for a servant to run up and say, Job, your children are dead? Job, another one comes and said, your servants are all dead. Another one shows up and said, they've stole all your cattle. They've stole everything. You have nothing left, Job. Do you, remember, do you, do you realize how hard it is when Job, when Job stands up and, and our, 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 he's standing there and his wife walks in and she says, look, it ain't worth it. Why don't you just curse God and die? His wife's turned on him. 
his friends pull up a chair and they're laughing because he's going through such pain. And they're mocking him because his faith will not fail. He just says, no, I, I know my Redeemer lives. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. I, I, I know where I'm at here. My time is coming. The day is going to come when I'm going to be through this. And because of his faith, the latter end was greater than the beginning. And Job realized the process was for perfection. Are we perfect? No. Will we ever be totally perfect? Probably not. That's why the Bible talks about the perfecting of the saints. It's an ongoing word. It's a word that lives week after week and month after month and year after year. How many of you in this room have been serving God at least 25 years? Oh, you had that. How many trials you've been through? Don't answer. Just think about it. It'd be great if we just had one and God said, okay, you made it. That's it. Good. You don't have to go through another one. Wish it was that way. But we get through one and then we're, we're, we're rocking along pretty good. And, and our attitude gets out of kelter. And our spirit gets a little wrong. And the Lord says, you know what? He needs more perfection. So here we are right back. And guess where I always go? I don't know about you. I'm telling you where I've been, and I'm telling you where I'm going to the prayer room. I'm not going to a bottle. I'm not going to a pill bottle. I'm not going to a needle. I'm not going to a psychiatrist. I'm going to the Lord because I know my Redeemer liveth, and I trust Him in the process of perfection. I love you tonight. I really love this church. Thank you for being so faithful. Now, you're not bad. We're just people. You're not bad people. You're, we're all just people. And we have our faults. And we have our situations. But just remember this. When your kids act like heathens, when your marriage is going through real pain and suffering, when your job is giving you, pardon me, pure hell, it's called life. But you're if you're faithful to God, you're going to make a better Christian when you come on the other side of that than you've ever been in your life. You're going to be stronger than you've ever been in your life. Just remember this. It's the extreme conditions that test you. And when it gets extreme, God gets extreme. And he says, I'm pulling you through that if you'll just trust him.